welcome to Post Ash Draft. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. Today we're digging into the business of working with clients with Danielle Joseph. Before we get to it, though, I want to tell you about Gravity Forms. They're our partner for this episode. You can just go to poststatus.com slash gravity to learn more about it. It's a great tool uh, for all of your forms that you have on your website. It's the easiest and most trusted advanced form solution for WordPress. I've used Gravity Forms for, I think, a decade now. (laughs) It's the only WordPress form management plugin that you'll ever need. Go to postass.com slash gravity to check it out. Thanks so much to Gravity Forms for being our partner. Let's get to the episode by introducing our guest, Danielle. It's nice to meet you. How are you? Nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I am uh, doing well. It's a pleasure to have you. Your name is Danielle Joseph. And um, you do multiple things. There's Mm -hmm. Willow Space. There's Function Creative. Why don't you give our audience the uh, introduction? How would how would you introduce yourself personally, uh, <laughs> professionally? Multi passionate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I do a couple of things. The main things that I'm doing right now, I run a design studio, full service design studio that is Function Creative. Um, so in there, we're doing a lot of work with clients for brands and websites mainly, but supporting them on any kind of marketing capacity that they need with those, those main uh, services being kind of at the forefront. Um, and then with that recently, as of last summer, um, I've taken on building a separate sort of side project. That's a little bit of a branch off um, function, which is called Willow space. And that is a software. So it's an online software an app or a platform, whatever you wish to call online uh, applications these days. Um, and that is basically for managing clients. So it's it really goes hand in hand with what I'm doing in the studio. And I built out a platform basically to help us run things more smoothly and give our clients a better, you know, online experience with invoices, platforms like that, and things like forms, proposals, um, just basically the ways that we communicate and collaborate with our clients uh, online and remotely. So Willow Space has the tools built into it that essentially the various parts of the process, whether that's sending the invoices or project updates, uh, maybe upsells that they have during the project, all of those experiences that you have with the client, you, you built those into this user interface. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, as I was over the course of the past seven years of running the studio and working with clients, um, remotely the whole time. So we never have been in a, a physical location and that's just the way that we've kind of brought our values into the business as well. Um, But in being remote with clients, we've tried out many different platforms and nothing was really hitting the nail on the head for us in terms of the quality of how things felt when we were sending things off. So yes, so Willow Space is basically a a software online that you can use to send really nice looking proposals, have your client just accept them right in the platform. You can send, you know, nice client portals where your client can access all of their work through a link. Um, They can see what's outstanding or where you're at with the project, that kind of thing. Yeah, it looks really nice. And uh, mm-hmm. for people listening along, it's at willowspace.co. Go ahead and get the the link out there so that people mm-hmm. that want to check it out while they hear us talk uh, can do so. Um, of course, for you to know this problem set, you have been dealing with clients for a long time. So mm-hmm. uh, when did you first get into you know uh, managing client experiences? 
So we, so function started in 2014. And before that I was working kind of, I was working corporate with Microsoft on their advertising team. And then, um, with a small, uh, Canadian photography company on their print, um, design. So it's kind of a lead designer on their print uh, assets. And from there, I started function 2014 as like a full service studio. It started off as just me and I worked with mainly just clients, um, kind of that I found through word of mouth and through some online searching and digging. I think my first like real client was through um, a Reddit thread, which is <laughs> not, not the place I tell most people to go check out, but it worked out really well. Um, and then it really just kind of spiraled and built from there. And we've brought on, you know, designers, interns, other developers and things like that along the way too, so that we've got a little bit more of a team behind us to help support all the different kinds of needs that we have with our clients now. So since you were initially like a one person business, but putting your, it seems like you were putting your business name first. You weren't saying, Mm -hmm. Hey, you're hiring Danielle. It was, Hey, you're hiring function. How did that Mm -hmm. impact the client relationship uh, in a positive way? Um, so that's a good question. Cause I, it actually went, I put a lot of thought into the name of it when I first started it because of that mainly, um, thinking like, should I just use my name or should I use a sort of like a studio name? And at the very beginning function was a studio name because of the vision that I had to, you know, there may be a point where it's not just me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kept that vision kind of at the very beginning. And although on the website or like any of my communications, I did have the people would land on function and then it would still say mainly I was speaking as myself. I was speaking through like a first person yeah. um, and introducing myself to, to people through the website experience. But um, yeah, it was very, I think, intentional in just foreseeing that I wanted to grow into a little bit more than just my, you know, my own input, my own insights and, and things like that. So I did that at the beginning with the, with the, with the name and just, we kind of grew and switched around our language from there over the past several years. Yeah. And do you think that that's enabled you to, uh, attract more serious work because people are hiring an agency and not the, you know, an an individual? Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's very intentional and thinking about that because of the kind of client you do want to attract. And so, um, for function having, you know, a studio, I guess, personality to it. And it gravitates towards more of a studio and agency or a team behind us. Then I believe we do attract a bit more of a, a type of client. Um, I think people who are searching for more robust projects, like more, we do, we do really thorough branding and website design. So we're not really take, we don't take on projects necessarily that are like just people getting started or just needing a logo or just needing some business cards done. So I think when people see the, the studio behind it, they, there's an element of, um, just the type of maybe package or project you're going to be working on with that, that individual client, whatever the case may be. Um, whereas if I had gone in a sort of more of a freelance direction, which also is a very successful route, I think that also attracts a certain type of client and both are, mm-hmm. I think both can totally be equally successful in just whatever your vision is for what you want, because though you might be bringing on bigger clients, that doesn't mean you can take on as much and you've got to have maybe a little bit more of a team behind you to do that and support it. Um, so it really just, I think it's a matter of figuring out exactly who you want to be working with and what your clients are doing so that you can start to, you know, attract the right kind of projects. You said y'all do a lot of branding and design. Um, did you initially pitch that as the primary deliverable or have you always offered kind of a total package? You know, you'll get the development and website and everything, or did you kind of work up to expanding the services? 
It's been a bit of a, a workup, but I would say actually even from the beginning, mainly I was focused on brand work. And I think in the beginning, it was more um, likely that perhaps we were like, I was taking on other projects if it was just me working on it, where they were smaller scale projects. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but like I said earlier, like my first biggest, biggest client was from, was from Reddit and it was a full brand project and website. And so right from the get-go, I kind of had this uh, experience under my belt of, oh, I really, really like working with people from like the beginning phases of, you know, bringing this brand strategy to life through to putting it on a website and making a whole experience around it. Um, so it's always been revolving around branding first and like website work. Uh, but I think over the years, it's just basically gone from things like pre-built packages to whatever you need for that to like, just get in touch with us. So it's just, it's evolved in its own way in terms of how we portray our services, I would say, but it's always really stuck to the core of branding. So as you've gone through this process, you've dealt with a lot of clients and stuff. uh, And then it came into Willow space. How well did it translate as a product or did you intentionally aim the product at various industries or did it start primarily geared towards people like yourself doing web work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think initially the idea of Willow Space was born because I mainly had a problem that I was seeing in my business that I wanted to figure out. I wanted to make it better. But what I think happens, and maybe some other studios and designers can, uh, even developers can probably relate to, is that over the course of years and putting your work out there, I have found that a lot of other designers follow me or um, are subscribed to, you know, our newsletter and things like that. Um, so you almost have like these two audiences where you've got people looking into you as prospective agency to work with, or you've also got a bunch of other studios or designers or developers or freelancers following along just to keep up with what you're doing. And they're interested in what you're working on and things like that, which is cool. And so over the years, um, there's been different ways that I've tried to serve that community as well um, through just different things like little workshops for designers that, you know, I may have been able to offer some insight into one thing of how I do it and, you know, share that, share that knowledge. But Willow Space started out as that idea of, I I have this problem in my studio. How can I fix this? And then also it kind of naturally just made sense because I've got a community of all of these other designers. So I really did build it with, you know, designers and freelancers and people who are doing sort of service-based businesses or like one-on-one client work. I built this whole thing with them in mind, um, probably because of those two, those two things that I saw. I saw a community and I saw a problem. Yeah. And you said that y'all are uh, remote based in terms of your team. Mm-hmm. Are your clients, do they, are, do they tend to be all over or do you get clients largely from, I believe, Ontario is where you're based? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we're in Ontario, um, Canada, and we actually like most of the clients are just all over the place. Um, so we were, which is really nice. Like I really like that aspect of having a remote studio. Um, it's always really nice too. like, there's something special when you do get a client that you work with in your, you know, close to your city or wherever you are, because there's that little bit of, uh, just personal, a little bit more intimate of like, okay, we are from the same area. And so there's, there's a little bit more magic that happens in that sense, but it's actually, been uh, more of a draw for me to have clients from all over the place. We've worked with people, lots of people in the States, lots of people all over Canada. We've worked with people um, 
quite a few actually clients in Norway. Surprisingly, I think word just kind of trickles wherever you start to work with people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, that means you're getting good referral business. So that's a good thing. Yes, exactly. Referrals are huge because I, you know, and that's another reason we even like went in the direction of Willow Space is just referrals are such a, still such a huge, important part of the marketing of a studio. So yeah, we work with clients really all over the place and it's been one of the best and one of my most favorite things about being a remote studio. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Do you do, um, do you do any location-based marketing or do you do any outbound marketing or is all, all your, are all your leads based on referrals? Honestly, like 95% of them are probably referral based at this point. Um, we get a lot of, like people will be, we'll get a lot of people coming to us through search through, which is great. Like SEO search, all that stuff is wonderful. And I think most of the people who are finding us online, that effort is, is more of a local uh, marketing effort. Like it's, I think people who are finding us through search engines, just naturally organically are finding us through like Toronto design studio or like Mm -hmm. Ontario design studio. Um, But yeah, in terms of like marketing and putting ourselves out there, like I, have always been a huge advocate of client experience. And if you can give your clients a really solid experience, then like that's a self, that's like an autopilot marketing program. That's going to be the most effective in my opinion anyways. Yeah. Um, so that's been really what's driven the growth of the studio too, is just really starting to get projects under your belt and getting people just talking about what you're doing. Well, that's a great transition to be able to go from uh, getting to know, you know, you and your business a little bit and start digging into the client experience aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't we just start off with what are a couple of the big mistakes that you see people make uh, when they're setting up client experience? Uh, you know, that <laughs> those initial meetings, that early, yeah. early experiences with their with their new clients. Um, I see a couple at the forefront usually that are happening. So I think when we think of a client experience and when I'm looking at this for, for our studio is basically how can we make it as easy as possible for people to find us, say yes to working with us. And then also at the end of our project say, Hey, I want to tell everybody about this thing that you just did for me. Um, and so some of the mistakes I think that we can make in as designers or studios, um, start with the first initial like outreach, like the first when people are reaching out to kind of inquire about products then, or services that you're, that you're offering. I think it's really important to start there with like providing this over the top experience of, of just making sure they have all the information that they need. So you're obviously your website and things like that, that they're trickling in from should be, you know, those should be up to standard as well to be able to give people the information they need quickly um, but once someone takes that initiative to say, hey, can you tell me more about your services or I have this project that I want to start, um, that first response that you give back should be like the first step in providing a really excellent experience. And so we try really hard to not make the mistakes of like letting those sit in our inbox for too long. Um, and we follow up immediately with a, a lookbook. So it's sort of um, it's sort of like our website is this brochure. And then if people reach out and they want more information, we give them sort of this lookbook, more of like a, a magazine style, like here's a, more information for the people who are really interested. Um, so having those tools and resources in place at the very beginning, I think is, is key because you could be missing out on a lot of opportunity to, to engage those people right when they're interested. Um, so yeah, so that's a, a big one. It's just not following up in a, a way that makes it easy for people to either get more info or, you know, take the next step with you. So if your next step is a consultation call with them or getting on a call with them, then, you know, send them a link to your calendar right in that email and say, if you are interested, here's, you know, here you can book a time and we can get on a call and chat a little bit more. Um, so just like those steps to make it extremely easy. Don't send them off to like some 
random URL that then they have to scroll through and read and find the booking link or, you know, just make it really easy and say, here's how you can take the next step. Here's the information that you're looking for. I'm here if you need me. A little bit of a guided process for them. Mm -hmm. Get them on boarded. When you do have people come to you out of curiosity, are they typically coming because they know of your, you know, agency's design experience and they have a certain look that they're attracted to? Or they come into you and saying, hey, here's our problem. We need to increase our sales or our conversions Mm or, you know, more specific, uh, tangible things like that. I think it's it's sort of a mix. I would say like we're mostly people coming to us um, with the intention of like having a project that they want to work on. I think over time, I think it's just inevitable that studios and designers have a particular style, maybe that they're showcasing and what we've tried to do actually in the past, I would say like a couple years with function is try and diversify our, mm. what we're showing. Cause sometimes even though we're working on a whole bunch of different cool projects, like your mind is still gravitating towards this one style. So I, if I'm putting up a portfolio piece might be only showing clients that have this particular industry or style. And if that's the niche or like, that's what you're trying to go for. And you really do want to attract that kind of um, client, then I think that's absolutely a good strategy. But for us, you know, I like to diversify what we're showing. So it's not necessarily just the style that people are seeing. They're seeing that we're really able to get into a project and, and customize the solution for them. Um, and I tell people that right from the beginning of starting those conversations. So if they come to us with a particular project, as most do, um, then we tell them, like, we've worked with lots of different industries, lots of different styles or aesthetics. Like, it's really just about getting into the nitty gritty of your business, your goals, and like what you're doing this for and designing around that as opposed to having this sort of uh, style or direction that we would just naturally take clients into. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, if you know the term like typecasting mm-hmm. and, and acting, you know, you may have an actor who's very capable as an individual and, you know, she's played several different roles in life, but they keep getting casted for the same type yeah. of role because it's like, oh, well, I know you as this. Yes. Um, I can imagine agencies run into very similar patterns sometimes, which I guess can be good and bad, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be great to be super reputable within an industry that has a lot of work, but you may not. it may not be like the best representation of how well you can kind of flex your muscles as, as an agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. How do you, this gets more into the project side. I know we're mm-hmm. going, I want to get back to the client side, but you got me thinking okay. on this, mm-hmm. on this front. Um, how do you steer your agency towards the type of work that you want to do to like stay diversified, get it, get within whatever realm what, like that you think that you'd be really great at versus saying yes to whatever comes in? I think there's like a, there's a time and a place. I think that most probably designer studios, agencies, developers, like we all probably have had ebbs and flows to like, we have to just say yes to what's coming in and versus, okay, we can (laughs) be a little bit more, you know, picky about who we're working with. Um, And there's, there's time and place for, for both of those, I think for sure. But what we've really tried to focus on is just being able to put out what we can do in terms of bringing strategy to life in different ways. So again, like going back to that, diversifying our portfolio was a really big one this past couple of years that we wanted to focus on was just like, um, you know, we were getting a lot of wellness and handmade based businesses, which I love working with, but I also really love working with, you know, like doctor clinics and things like that. So we were saying, you know, we're showing a lot of this really beautiful work of these beautiful candle companies and tea companies. And I, I love that aesthetic, but then we're also, I don't want to just pinhole ourselves to that realm um, or just even product-based. Like it's really nice for 
us to be able to flex our creativity too, and be able to have creative freedom with all these different industries. So I think really, if you're uh, looking at what you want to attract, like if you are wanting someone who wants to have a variety in what you're working on and not just stick to one style or one aesthetic or one company type or industry, then really, really pay attention to what you're putting out in your portfolio too. Cause those people who do hear about you will inevitably like look you up or find you on social media or find your portfolio in some way or another. And, you know, they may make a really quick judgment if they're not seeing themselves fitting into that. Um, and so that's what we try and avoid too, is just like, see all this different stuff we can do. There's different kinds of brands and different kinds of aesthetic. That's what we want people to be able to picture themselves in is just, I have this business, I have this problem. Can you help me with it? Mm. And then finally on this front, um, you know, someone comes to you and they may have, uh, an appeal to like your design history that they've seen the name of the agency's function. So mm-hmm. like, how do you drive them towards that? Uh, you know, the function or the goal or what they hope to achieve turning mm-hmm. something tangible. There's an old example that I just always remember is we had a client that uh, an agency I worked at years ago and they knew that the value of someone that came in the door, once they came in the door, that individual was worth about a thousand dollars of revenue. So they were like, if we can get X number of people in the door due to our, you know, website design, all the stuff we do, we know that we can turn that into a thousand dollars per person. So the goal was how do we create uh, in-person visits for them? Mm -hmm. And that was a very Mm -hmm. specific thing. How do you turn, you know, someone coming to you for design into that type of more tangible, here's what we're hoping to achieve with this project? Yeah, I think there's a couple of really good ways that we've like, it's been a a trial and error thing. I think that happens with um, over the course of having a business like this, but what we've really, really, really driven the point home about in our, in our process is strategy. And so people, you know, in this particular case, people have like the shiny object syndrome where they come in and they want a new website. So they need a website because that's, what's going to make them the sales. And that's, what's going to get their, their money making, you know, tasks up, up and running. So um, they need a website, but for us as, as an agency, as a studio, we, we have to kind of guide them back and say, okay, that's wonderful. We're going to get that website up, uh, so that you can make more money. Um, but to start that, we have to, we have to go back some steps. We've got to really dig into the strategy of the brand and who you're going to be selling to and what is the essence of the brand? What's the voice of the brand? Like what's the positioning here? Um, and then starting to bring all of that strategy and that foundation that people don't necessarily really aren't jazzed about from the very beginning. Like this isn't the thing that they get really excited about when you first talk to them. Uh, They're really excited about that website that they saw that you built because they want one like that. Um, But I think as, as a good, hopefully like a good designer and a good approach that I would take for sure with all of my clients is to say, let's get back to the foundation. Let's build this so that you can have a really solid timeless experience for the website. Um, And then what I find is most of the time clients are like, very jazzed about that strategy after we go through that phase. Like they don't, it's that thing that they didn't realize they needed. So I think when you get someone kind of through the door or through your inbox, like a, a lead and things like that is yes, they're going to come in with that shiny object that they want. Um, and I think in order for me to be able to take them there, I need to get down to the nitty gritty of things and make sure that it works. And that's where the name function even came from is that first and foremost, it needs to, it needs to work and it needs to achieve these goals that you're setting Um, and without that strategy work, without those steps before we can't really do a good job at that. Earlier, you talked about, you know, getting someone onboarded well in the sense of the way you respond to them quickly, set those Mm -hmm. expectations. 
how do you keep them happy, especially as potential changes could occur mm-hmm. in the in the timeline or the scope of the work, things like that? Yeah, I think when when I'm talking about the client process at the beginning, onboarding is just one piece because then there's the whole project you go through, right? Like you've, you you want to keep that momentum and keep that client experience elevated throughout the whole time that they're working with you and you know every interaction that they're having. Um, so after we sort of onboarded and worked through, we've put a lot of processes and systems in place um, in our studio that we still have an element of flexibility to. So one thing is that's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years too, for me is, is processes and systems. And I'm a very big processes and systems person. I'm, you know, Willow space is that it's, it's a place for processes and systems. Um, But at the same time, like all of these things that have popped up in the online business world over the years of like automation and, you know, getting things automated and your process down. And I think you still really need to have an element of flexibility to it. If you're a one-on-one person working with clients like Mm. that, that needs a personal touch to it. It can't all feel automated or else it doesn't feel good. Um, but with the whole project, you know, with websites in particular, there's lots of things that change and the scope does change and there's, there's reviews and revisions and all of that stuff. So, um, something that we like to do is like when we're asking for feedback from clients is provide them with a form to fill out for their feedback or provide them with very clear instructions of like how to provide that feedback to you. So with our website, for example, if we're sending off, you know, homepage design, um, send the homepage design and send a form or really specific instructions of if you could provide me with your feedback in this format, you know, bullet point from top of the page to the bottom. Um, here's how you can address image changes, that kind of thing. That's been extremely helpful and give them dates, like give them dates to, get it to you by like, if you could get this to me by, you know, end of the week, I really would appreciate that. So we can keep going. Having these little touch points throughout your whole project and process, I think is key in keeping the project flowing and keeping your clients really happy about how easy you're making it for them. Cause if you just leave them with, you know, open-ended, let me know what you think. And you just don't put any like stipulations on it. <laughs> you don't know what you'll get back. <laughs> you do not know what you'll get back and you don't know when you'll get it back. Like, you know, good luck if you wanted to get that project done on time, because it's amazing how like time can just slip through the cracks if you don't put these things in place. And then at the end of it, regardless of if your client was like quick and getting back to you or not, it always will probably reflect back on the studio or the designer to say, Oh, like they didn't get my project done in time, you know, like, so if you're doing everything you can to keep these things on track and you're keeping your clients in, you know, in line with this process and keeping them in a good experience, then that's all just going to pay off in the end of, of it was a good experience for them. Yeah. So if we, uh, backtrack on that. You, you send send it off, and then you're setting expectations. You're like, okay, we're going to have a meeting next Tuesday about this. You're bracketing for them what mm-hmm. their expectations should be, and that way, if they're one of those types, they receive it, and then they like pour over it and give you all this information right away. And you get it two hours later, and you're like, but I'm working on other stuff. Mm-hmm. They know next Tuesday or whatever is the day that this is matters for. Vice versa. For the procrastinator client, like that just disappears for a month and then asks, why is this mm-hmm. project off the rails? It's like, well, you're the reason it's off the rails. <laughs> you're setting homework exactly. for them. Yeah, to exactly. Get it back and to we you. just, yeah, trying to just keep everything sort of in that, that like step by step process or like getting them through that experience, as I call it, is, is just those are the touch points that are super important. But again, like with flexibility, because of course, yeah. like, we can't all pigeonhole everything and keep it all, like I said, it's But that enables you to normalize that process to you for planning internally, if nothing else, so that you can, yeah. you can know like what we can spend time on and you 
kind of prevent that tornado client, right, from Mm -hmm. just going nuts on you. Um, What other tips do you have in that communications pipeline for uh, helping, you know, these projects succeed Mm -hmm. as best you can? I think just having tools in your kind of tool belt for things that can come up too. like the feedback is a really good one because it, it is the thing that we all know. And, you know, some people even might dread like the feedback rounds because you just don't know what you're going to get. And some clients are really just like, nope, the hands off and that looks great. And some people are really into being collaborative about the, the process. Um, but having like tools that you can refer back to. So, you know, if a project, um, if you've got all of your stuff in order and your experience so far has been pretty smooth, then likely your clients have already read through like a, a welcome or onboarding pack, or they've already kind of signed off on like an agreement and they understand how things are working, you know, at the points that they're in in the project. Um, so that's a tool in your toolkit that you can just be like, Hey, remember that thing that we reviewed together where you need to get back to me in five days or less about these things for the project to keep going. We're going to just go back to that and make sure that we're still on track or else it's going to delay by X amount of, of days or time or whatever the case may be. So, um, just when you have those things set up, I think that makes everything else later in the project, a lot easier to refer back to a lot easier to bring back up or, if you do have a form for feedback, then that's, you know, you've got things that you can be sending them if they are at a loss or they don't know where to go from there or things like that. If they're not sure, like how to give you your thought, how to give you your thoughts and things like that. How do you mix in with this, the different types of communication channels that exist? Um, so if you have an in-person meeting back when we mm-hmm. had those sometimes <laughs> uh, or a Zoom call or a phone call, how do you turn that information that you receive into more permanent uh documentation Mm -hmm. and communications or do you try to steer people through emails and you know form entries to keep it nice and tidy Mm -hmm. how do you balance that with different clients um this is a good question because i think there's so many tools now and and we've tried different ways because our process has been something that we've put so much emphasis on we've tried different ways of like should we have you know all of our clients on slack and be able to open that channel up to more dm style messaging or should we have people submit their feedback on a particular website or platform as opposed to emailing us um and we always do come back to emails so even when you're having uh, a, a zoom call or say it was in person what we always do is we want to recap or follow up probably within even the same day or in like that later that day just a recap of what we went through on the the call so um, for us, that looks like, you know, if we're having a consultation call with a potential client, then I always tell them on the phone, you know, don't worry about trying to jot down all of the notes for all of this. I'm going to recap things for you. And I send them like a nice and tidy email after that goes through our process and has some of those dates or like a proposal with it. Um, so always just kind of be following up to things with email. And, you know, if a client disappears for a week on end and you haven't heard back from them yet, and it's two days past when they were supposed to, you know, give you your, your feedback for your, your website that you've designed for them, um, then always just kind of keep it on your radar to be checking in and like do and documenting those things so that, you know, you are, you're not that person who, yes, they've ghosted you a little bit, but like <laughs> I said, no matter how many times they'll ghost you. And I think this goes for like any client experience or customer experience that we have out and about in daily life. Like no matter how much we don't put into it either, like we have an expectation that they will also follow up with us. So if you disappear too, then like that client experience is also on you. So, Mm. um, so yeah, so just try and keep everything documented, try and follow up with like these things. I find honestly, email is just where I work best. I've tried to use like project management systems with clients. I don't like having to like, 
train and explain where to do new things because everyone's always into yeah. management system. Do you pull the emails out uh, and for your own project management system and docu- like longer yes. term documentation? Because what I run into is I, my my Gmail ends up this being this yes. dark forest that I just search for keywords yeah. and pray yeah. it comes up right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We do. And like even down to like so even with Willow Space or the client management platform that you're going to be using, like that is usually done. You can usually integrate those with email. And that's what we've done with Willow Space too, is that you can just in- integrate it with your email. So yes, your client will sign the proposal or sign a contract in Willow Space, but that'll just pop into your email and say, they've signed it. Here's the contract. Mm. Um, and I find that easier than having to like log into another system. And then when, you know, when we're getting signed things back or we're getting proposals that have been accepted, then just go in and just quickly export it and even just like save it for your own files. Like just having that, it's just made things a little bit easier in email for me than trying to track it on all these other platforms. And yeah, getting a client to like try, like that client might be also working with other companies on different things. And they're in like five different platforms at this yeah. point. And that's not a good a client like experience. Trello over here and Asana yeah. over here. And you know, somebody yeah. wants them in GitHub only. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just, that's, that's not a great client experience either to have to like keep up with all of that. So just making it as easy as possible for your clients while also again, like that flexibility, just be like, if email's best for you, same with our forms. Like when we're sending feedback forms, I usually will tell the client, here is a feedback form that's really great for collecting your thoughts and getting your, you know, your feedback back to us on this design. Um, but if you prefer email, feel free to just list it out. Just be really explicit in your ex- instructions. You know, use bullet points. Just get it back to me by this date because, you know, forms you can have a due date on, but an email you can't. Um, so spell it out. Yeah, for sure. So when you talk about um, the Willow Space client portal that you create mm-hmm. and you blend it with what you just said about email... You're essentially shooting off notifications to say X, Y, Z, part of the process, invoice or something, receipt, it's available over here. Mm-hmm. And you're pointing them to the portal where they can log in and they always know that's there, that's the portal. Mm-hmm. But from a process perspective, you're still like emailing them the link and the notification exactly. so that they don't have to like feel obligated to go check it all the time. It's still going to tell them when it's the right time to go in- engage with the portal. Yes, exactly. And um, with that too, like with our portal, we wanted to make sure that clients didn't have to set up like an account to access it. So it's just a unique link and the the customer of Willowspace. So the user of Willowspace would be able to either password protect that or not. They're all unique, secure links. So as long as the client has that link, um, they can just access to see. So yeah, it's available to them if they ever are just sitting there being like, hey, what's going on with, you know, that website page that she's working on? They could check the status on there if they thought to, but otherwise... They don't even have to think twice about it. The email is just going through their inbox. It's saying, you know, here's your invoice to pay. They click it. There's the Willow Space link to the portal and they can pay it through there. So it's all still very email accessible. And for me, if I'm a, if I'm the person using Willow Space and I have clients, what does it look like for me? Is it branded with my stuff on it? Is it on a Willow Space domain, but, you know, a subdomain for me or something like that? What's it look exactly. like for the, for the user? Yeah. So you would definitely be able to go in and create the subdomain for your business. Um, We're also currently doing a lot of customization. So the first um, version of this will be that you'll have definitely have your own subdomain. It'll have, you know, your business name at .willowspace.app. And then you'll be able to customize like the fonts and the the color that you're seeing. So throughout Willow Space, one of the cool features that was really important to me was that the user would be able to select their brand color for even when you're using it internally. So you may have like a brand color that's blue. It's not client facing, but it's cool for you to just be able to feel like it's your business color when you're in there. Um, So it'll be definitely 
customized to that experience. You'll have your, you know, your logo and things like that will be on the client portal. And then it's in our pipeline too, to really be working on sort of like the ability to actually customize these further so that it's not, we don't want to recreate like a website experience for people. It's not that this needs to replace like a website. We have a lot of people telling us that to bypass these terrible client portals that they've seen on other platforms that they just create like their own pages in their website for each client. Um, which I think is a great workaround, but the idea with the client portal for Willow Space is to just make it easier to customize so that it feels still on your brand, but it's not something you have to go like rebuild a whole website or a page for. And then that'll also be able to like, that'll come with other things like being able to have maybe a step-by-step welcome pack that you can put in that, you know, instead of sending all of these different links, um, you know, then you send your one client, here's your welcome pack and they can go in and like step-by-step accept the proposal or pay the invoice, whatever they need to do. And how does it work from a payments perspective? So if I send an invoice through Willow Space, what, what decisions or choices exist there in terms of actually getting paid? So one thing that was really important to me when I was doing it, because I work with so many people all over the place, like I like to be able to get, again, going back to like client experience, this is important to me to be able to, to invoice my clients at their currency. Um, so I will try and like send an estimate and I'll base it on, you know, the U S dollar or whatever the the currency that we're basing it on. But if I can invoice them in their currency, like that is, you know, like as a Canadian who shops a lot in the (laughs) the States, like it's something that we're all very used to, but it's so nice when you go on and you see like, Oh, it's Canadian dollars. Like I don't have to do that. Like mental conversion. Right. Um, so one of the things that was important is that the invoices have like multi-currency support so that your client can see what they need to pay in their currency. Um, so that they can pay, uh, so it'll integrate with like your Stripe account so that it will just be like instant or whatever your payouts are set up for in Stripe. But your clients will also be able to pay either a part of the invoice or they can pay the full invoice. Um, you'll be able to invoice sort of at like milestones or dates or reoccurring. So if you have like a retainer client, you can just set it up and kind of forget it. Um, and I'm just thinking if there's any other, like, could you cool do features. even like no online payments? Like yep. I've run into this where it's like a really yep. large payment. It's like eh, that 3% kind of hurts, you know? Yeah, it does hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. You can absolutely turn those off uh, at any point. So like you can turn it off on like a higher level of all your invoices, or if you're just particularly working with one client where you might be like higher fees, you don't want to accept online payments. You just click uh, to turn it Take off on the back end. Get a wire yeah. or whatever other instructions exactly. you offer. Yeah, exactly. And they can just follow the instructions that you put on the invoice and, uh, and go from there. But yeah, the invoicing was really important for me to have like flexibility because again, like sometimes projects ebb and flow and like, it's nice to be able to set up invoices and be able to invoice at milestones instead of, you know, like a specific date all the time. Um, and then there's other kind of cool little things like it'll have, uh, auto late fees on it. So if you're someone who does charge, you know, late fees and your clients are a month late paying their invoice, it'll add automatically the whatever percent you've set it at. Um, all your tax stuff. Yeah. All of your tax stuff will be on there. Um, different tax settings and, um, and you can also, if there's people, I'm not sure some we've seen this before and there might be some industries where it's a, where it is more applicable, but you can also accept, you can turn on or off like tips so that people can put in, um, additional dollar amounts if they want to. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's really powerful for certain industries, certain types of Mm -hmm. professionals where their tip based income is a huge part Mm -hmm. of it. And yeah, I noticed this. And maybe I just noticed it more with COVID stuff, but like you kind of see the defaults and how much that impacts what people actually do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like if you don't put a tip line, people don't leave tips, even exactly. if you have like a tip jar on the counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's a tip line on the receipt, you're probably going to get a lot of tips because people yep. will just kind of default to whatever it recommends. So exactly. having the flexibility yeah. for that's great. 
Yeah. So it's very flexible. And we just want to make sure that it's supporting kind of multi currencies across, across the globe so that people can feel really, again, like solid in their experience that they're giving their clients. Yeah. So what have you learned from users of Willow Space or uh, people that you've interacted with building this tool about how to improve your own uh, client interactions with function? What's really interesting so far with this whole endeavor is, so I obviously went into this building something and getting like, I did a lot of market research and I'm lucky enough to have a lot of a bigger community of designers that do follow along and that I can kind of, you know, poll and ask and survey and things like that. So in the early stages of developing this out, it was important for me to get some information that way. But it is really interesting to always be hearing like different feedback of different people's processes. So for me, you know, with Willowspace, I was like, okay, I built this with the intention of, you know, lead comes into your inbox or gets in touch with you. I reach out with a follow-up with the lookbook. And then I would book a consultation based on if they wanted to move forward from, you know, the information that they get in the lookbook. Um, I've talked to a lot of designers too. that are like, wait, what? Like I do a you know, I do a call first and then I send a proposal. So after my consultation is when I would send the proposal. Um, so that's sort of my process is lookbook call proposal. Mm -hmm. Uh, cause I like to get information on the call for the proposal, but you know, a lot of designers have gone back to me and been like, wait, I send the proposal like first, like if they've got a project that they're emailing me about, I'll send a proposal. And then if they want to go forward, we'll, we'll get on a call. So it's just like hearing people's different steps is so interesting to me um, to be able to build it out in a way that is suitable to all of these different ways that we all work with people. There's, there's total, like you're validated in all the ways that you work with people, whether you're doing which step first. Um, and then in that world branched out beyond like designers and developers, you know, a few coaches have been in Will space too, and been like, Oh, this is like so helpful for me to do this, this, and this. And they would really like to bypass, you know, the like follow-up necessary. Like I usually just get people to book a call or something like that. So it is extremely interesting and extremely valuable to always be listening to and collecting feedback from, you know, users, or if you are a studio or a developer, like, you know, at the end of a project to have your clients fill out a survey or something and get feedback so that you can always be listening to, um, to ways that you can make it better, to ways that you can improve it. Yeah. And this says it's launching spring 2021. So I, yeah. I know you've been doing this mostly with your own clients or mm -hmm. for testing purposes. So when, when uh, can we expect to get our hands on it for those of us that we, are interested? Yeah, we are probably like a week, two weeks away from getting people like opening up the, the sort of like opening up the gates. Um, awesome. So yeah, we're like very much in the testing mode right now. And I think, you know, talking to the developers actually earlier this week, um, I think we're going to be in really good shape for having our like final testing happening next week. And then I'm, I'm really hopeful for like a first week of May. Uh, yeah, getting people, say, for people that are listening after the fact, that's yeah. roughly May, 2021, you should be able yeah. to have some kind of access. Yeah. And right now there's a list. We've got a nice list of people that are waiting that I'm so grateful for, uh, just hanging out and waiting for us. Um, but one thing that was extremely important to me when I first started, this was again, like the, the, the experience of the person using, uh, Willow space. And I had a lot of developers that I talked to in the initial stages telling me, you know, you can't do this. You can't go out with this whole product. You have to, you know, you should focus on one feature to have as your MVP, your first launch, you know, and I just kept saying like, no, and I'm, I'm paying the cost of like the time. Like, of course I, of course I can't launch this whole thing in a couple of months, but mm -hmm. it was extremely important to me that when it came available to be my community, that it was a fully functional platform. Yeah. It can be, there and available for the whole process for the people mm -hmm. who are interacting with their clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what do you want to 
leave folks with in terms of maybe advice for how to better handle their client relationships? I think just always kind of putting yourself in the shoes of the client because we can get so caught up in our own work, the way we work that we forget sometimes how it might feel to be on the client side, like end of things. And I always joke with some of my clients that I'm a little bit more closed or open to that. I say like, I'm a bit of a therapist sometimes too, because you <laughs> are working with these people who really just have these business projects, but you're also kind of holding their hand through like getting through blocks about like, you wouldn't believe how many times you're designing a website and someone just like has such a block about photos that they're using or something. And that is hanging up the project by like weeks or, you know, so you kind of have to be putting yourself in the the client's position a lot. And um, though it might seem really straightforward and easy for you, just try and always go that extra mile of making it even easier for them to like say yes or take the next step. Just make it as easy as possible. It might seem redundant. Um, It might seem like you're annoying them by like sending that second follow-up that week, but like just do it because chances are it's going to improve the the client experience overall. At the end of the project, we want them to be like, that was great. You made this so easy for me. And you know, you're way more likely to tell people about experiences like that than you are about things that were just kind of mediocre. Yeah, that's great. Um, so Danielle, people can go to hellofunction.com to check mm-hmm. out your agency and they can go to willowspace.co to sign up for the waitlist or depending on when you're listening to this, try out Willow Space for yourself. I'm sure that's an exciting feeling to know that it's very, so close. <laughs> very exciting. It's been a very big labor of love. And yeah, it's been, I'm so excited to get people actually like fully, you know, in many different industries using the, the tool to, so that we can keep getting feedback to you and making it better. And if people want to keep up with you on social media or something like that, that's more, mm-hmm. I don't know, like experiential, <laughs> where, mm-hmm. uh, where should they do that? Where are you most active? They can find me specifically at anything Hello Function. So all platforms are Hello Function. And then all Willow Space platforms are through willowspace.co. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me, Danielle. Thanks so much for everybody listening today. You can go to poststatus.com to learn more about Post Status. Go to poststatus.com slash gravity to check out our partner, Gravity Forms, who uh, is a really excellent tool to get the lead generation and other stuff that you might want to collect on your website. Just go to poststatus.com slash gravity for that. And we'll catch everybody next time. Have a good one. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks. Thanks.